Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening. It's Midday Madness time. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise. And Midday Madness brought to us by Work Locker, Karen Downs and Packenham. Unlock Stockton full of value. Work where, for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Your calls for the next couple of hours for Midday Madness. one 736 the open line number. Yes, you can send through your texts as well, and we'll get to your texts as well on that 40 Winks temper text, 0433981116. But it's Talkback Radio. Want to have a chat to you about all things sport, whatever you'd like to discuss. We'll get you on for the next two hours. Just been talking to Sammy Edmund. I know he started with the competitive balance review, AFL and AFL clubs, having a conference call yesterday. Um, got a couple of calls on the line already about what I was just saying with Sammy. If the AFL are serious about having a more equal competition. There is only one place to start for me. With nine teams in one town, you can never equalise travel. So you can't do that with nine teams in one town. And with a contract signed with the MCG for the grand final to be played there, you can never change that. That's locked in. The only way you can ever begin to equalise the competition is first and foremost, have an equal fixture. And that means everyone playing each other once. So if you don't start with that, nothing will ever be equal from there. You're only making up ground to try and make it more equal from starting with an unequal fixture. So the AFL wants a more equal and fairer comp. It will say, I think, in 2028, when Tassie comes in, well, we're going to have 19 teams play each other once each and maybe have an extended final series. That's the starting ground for them. Or in 2025, if they want to do it that quickly, they could divide the 18 teams into three conferences of six and you play every team in your conference twice and every team in the other two conferences once, and you'll end up with the same amount of games we've got now, and you will have a quality there, at least. But yeah, playing each other once, don't know if the AFL will do that either, but that's the, that's the place to start if they want to start there. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you've got a thought on that. Reggie Melton, Justin in Wandon, I know you've got a thought on that. Glenn and Colour Marines also on the line. Let's go to your calls. What can you We'll start with Reg. What can you Reg? Yeah, good day, mate. How are you? Good. Mate, I think I think you can have a, uh, a balanced uh, draw, but it's over a three-year period. So you got 18 sides. So you have 17 games. Everyone plays each other once, and then six games uh, doubled up. The first year, the second year, 
and five or six games the third year. That works out to 23 games a year. And by the time all that happens, Tassie will be in and it'll make it exactly right. You know, and you, if you play a side at home, the next time you play them, you play them away. It still doesn't make each individual season equal, though, Reg. It makes it even over three years, and that's still a problem of equalisation. If you're going to try and make it more equal, then you might as well start at ground zero and make it actually equal, as opposed to a plan to make it slightly more equal than it is as unequal as it is right now. But I appreciate your lateral thought, Reg. Thanks for jumping on and starting us off. Justin and Wandon, you got a thought on this? Welcome to you, Justin. Blaine, that was exactly my idea once the Tassie team's in. Six, 18 games, 19 teams, 18 games, then play two teams from each of the six in the ladder. Six times, so six, so you get 24 rounds a year for the three years, and over a four-year period, you play everyone twice, which means you can play them home and away. Oh, sorry, four times, so you play them home and away over a three-year period. It's the only way to keep the amount of games that they're going to want keep the television rights money there. Um, otherwise, you go to a, what, 36-round season or an 18-round season. Yeah, well, 30, well, playing each other, well, that, you'd have 34 games a season each team if you played everyone twice. That's too many. And if you played each other once, well, you'd have 19 teams playing everyone once when a 19th team comes in. So you'd have 18 games per team. Yeah, that's the trouble, Justin. Being equal, the fixture over three years is still not equal. That's the dilemma the AFL have. They could make it equal in 2025 if they wanted to and have three six-team conferences if they wanted to. But that would, that would mean that the top three in each conference advance. So that's the hard part, Justin. Where do you go with that? Appreciate your call, though, Justin. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Right back to your calls and your texts for midday at Madness. If the AFL is to want to make things equal, then it has to start at the fixture. Otherwise, it'll never be equal. And I doubt they're going to start at the fixture and making and make everyone play each other once. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. And everyone playing each other twice is too many times. So it'll never be an equal competition. And with nine teams in one town, you can never equalise travel either. So they've got the impossible task, the AFL. But if they do want to try and make it more even, it has to start at the fixture, I reckon. Brad in Blackburn, you got a thought on this? Welcome to you, Brad. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Um, I've got a little bit of a left-field one, much the same as like the NBA are doing at the moment and the EPL in the past. Why don't they do a, a season where they play each other once, so have your 18 games, but have an in-season tournament as well? So you could have a 26-game season, um, have an in-season where you have your three divisions, the, the, um, three conferences, the winner of three three conferences go through, plus a wild card. The next week, the um, one plays four, two plays three, then the, the in-season grand final. And then that way, you've got your 18 games, which is true to the season, and then you've got a spectacle in, in, in the middle. Yeah, I like the in-season tournament if they want to do it. Brad, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, they spent a million bucks on the McClellan Trophy. I think it could have been better spent on either bringing back the knockout comp uh, and having the the one game pre-season that we have for each team being the first round of a knockout comp. So already you're reduced to nine before the main season starts. But uh, yeah, I'm happy with an in-season comp, but I'm, I don't necessarily think we will end up having it to the point that it's going to be as equal or as good to watch in our eyes and as worthy 
a win to have in your trophy cabinet as the main prize. I appreciate your call, Craig in Mentone. Over to you, Craig. Yeah, Dwayne, uh, just a, a couple of points. We always know the competition is going to be uneven. We just can't do anything about that. But no matter what you do with the draw, the whole lot, because of travel. But you've got to look at it. 2000, it was 1997 to 2007, there was 8 out of 10 premiers in the state. No one jumped up and down about that and said it's not equal. So we had a big percentage of in the state. And from 2012 to 2023, there's been four interstate winners. So it's nearly 50%. I don't see what the big drama is. Well, the drama, there is no drama because the, the comp's in great shape. So I agree with you. The comp's looking magnificent right now, and they probably don't need to change anything. But we were told that the, they, are, they are having a competitive balance review, and they're trying to work out how they can make it more even, and they're getting clubs to contribute to the think tank. And to me, I don't think you can ever have it even with the structure that we've got now, nine teams in one town in Melbourne. But if you do want to make it even, the AFL is serious about this and it wants to make it more even. It has to start at the fixture. But you're right, I don't think it's broken enough to want to fix it. And just because there were four kids drafted to the Gold Coast Suns for a change, I don't think we need to be changing it either. I think the, the academy system is good. I'd just be giving all the Melbourne-based teams, SA teams and WA teams, access to their academy kids in the first 40 picks, as it was a few years ago when the Dogs got Jamari Eugle Hagen with pick one, uh, Craig. So it's not crisis time. The comp's in good, Nick. Uh, Glenn in Tallarine's been holding for a while. I want to talk AFLW. Welcome to you, Glenn. Yeah, uh, good afternoon. I'm a bit confused and surprised that the grand final's being played on a Sunday afternoon when for a decade almost. There's been no Sunday finals for men. They've been predominantly at night. Um, and Sunday's crowd is important because the AFL has said that the season being extended is dependent upon reaching key audience metrics. So playing it Sunday afternoon, not Saturday night, that's a big difference in um, TV audience. Yeah, I agree with you. It's Saturday night would be a lot bigger TV audience, Glenn. Are you looking for the AFL to do the same with the AFLW as they do with the men, and, and which would mean a Saturday day game, which wouldn't be a massive TV audience either? So... I mean, the AFL don't play their grand final Sunday, but the AFL also don't play their grand final Saturday night. So do you try and replicate or do you try and put it where the audience is biggest? Saturday night is where the audience would be biggest. Yeah, I think you've got, you've got to have the biggest audience, especially when the season being extended long-term is dependent upon reaching key um, audience mm. metrics. I mean, I mean, I can understand it for the AFL men. Tradition is you play day grand final, but there's no tradition... In the NRLW, so why not? I just I can't see reasons for playing it Sunday afternoon. Well, were they scared to go up against the WBBL women's final on Saturday night? Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, Friday night would have been better too. I think. I mean, Friday night we get a much bigger audience than Sunday afternoon, and, and the fact the AFL clearly they don't like Sunday finals for men. So if you don't like them for men, why would you want them for the women? Yeah, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, Glenn. I'm not sure why they didn't do it Saturday night other than were they running scared, didn't want to put it up against uh, the, the WBBL final. And why wasn't, if they they could have looked back at the scheduling and worked it out, so, okay, we want, a, we want a Friday night grand final, so let's actually make sure that the women's games played in the prelim final round are played Friday and early Saturday, or a Saturday afternoon game, uh, as opposed to a Sunday prelim, which jams you up with the making it impossible to play a Friday night grand final. So, no, I'm with you on those points, Glenn, and I'm glad you raised them. If you've got a thought on reasons why, why didn't the AFL 
simply make it a Saturday night grand final in the women's and give it the biggest audience. Uh, thanks for your call. Glenn, Nick in, in Glaston. What can you, Nick? Hi, how are you? Good. Okay. Um, I'm from New South Wales. Well, I'm not from New South Wales. I'm from Victoria. I moved to Queensland and then moved to New South Wales. Got to say that most people in New South Wales don't care about the AFL. And the, the AFL is in a growth stage. So we're adding new teams. It's always going to not be equal. And it's not going to be equal for many, many years. So everybody has to get used to it. But the thing is that what we need is not 20 teams. We need 32 teams. And then we can have a second division and we can have relegation. And then sides like North Melbourne or West Coast, when they screw their team up, they go into the the lower division. And then we have some sort of FA Cup type thing where everybody gets to play for the premiership in a knockout phase. That's my idea. So you would have North Adelaide, Subiaco... Uh, Werribee, all involved in a massive competition where there's promotion and relegation. Yeah, because then you don't have to worry about, um, you know, trying to fix Melbourne or North Melbourne or West Coast. They simply drop out of the main competition. So you have 16 at the top, 16 at the bottom, and if you're good enough, you get into the top, and if you're not, you go into the bottom. And that way, you take all of that stuff out, and you're only dealing when you're dealing with the draft with father and son, which I like. Um, and that's pretty much it. Everything else is just draft. Yeah, Nick, you're probably way ahead of your time. It's probably 30 years away. The A-League's headed in that direction, finally. So they're looking at promotion relegation. I think it's a long way off in the AFL world. By the way, Channel 7 broadcasts both the WBBL and the AFLW grand final. So they couldn't have them both on Saturday night. So one would have to be bumped to seven, mate. Uh, even though uh, that'll be hard for Channel 7 to make a call. So with the WBBL final on Saturday night on 7, um, the AFL obviously believed that they couldn't put the grand final on on a Saturday night um, and could have gone head-to-head with it. It's on Fox, and you could have put it on 7, mate, and gone head-to-head that way. But maybe the AFL doesn't want their product on 7, mate. You could have done it Friday night, given that they knew the WBBL grand final was going to be on the Saturday night, maybe they should have had a bit more forethought uh, when it came to the structure of the season. Things like keeping Marvel Stadium available for a grand final if there's a grand final in Victoria would be a good start. And planning to get themselves free air, clean air on a Saturday or Friday night around the WBBL grand final would be another one for them to look at. Anthony Sorrento, welcome to you, Anthony. Dwayne, how are you? Um, good. I think this is a bit of a storm in the teacup. You you're literally one steel side-bottom uh, goal-saving chess mark away from an all-interstate grand final and one steel side-bottom 60-metre goal away from a, an interstate premier. I mean, it's you had West Coast win a flag, what, four years ago. You had Frio in a prelim last year. Um, I, think, I think I played in a prelim uh, or a semi last year. I mean, it's, it just seems like it's just all a, a storm in it when there's plenty of other things we could, we could focus on. Well, it's, it's not us focusing on it. It's the AFL. It's Laura Kane asking for the club's contribution to what can be done to make it more equal. So, uh, and there are Victorian clubs complaining about what just happened in the draft. Anthony and the system of the draft and the academy system not being equal enough. I'm agreeing with you on it. I don't think there needs to be some huge, big inquiry. I don't think the AFL is so broke that it needs fixing. I don't think that it's been so uneven 
that it needs something radical done either. So I'm with you 100% on all of those points. I'm not one of those who believes the whole thing needs to change just because the Gold Coast got four kids all of a sudden. Now, you can change the point system for the academies and uh, if you like and make the Gold Coast pay more for their picks. You can also give the Victorian clubs access to their academy kids in the first 40 picks. But you know, I don't think anything radical needs to be done. But if the AFL is asking clubs to contribute, they might maybe thinking of doing something radical. Uh, Anthony, appreciate your call. By the way, I've got a heap of stuff to give away, so we'll start giving it away now. You've got a family pass to the BBL Melbourne Stars game on Wednesday, December 13 at the MCG. That's coming your way. Anthony, we've got a few of those to give away and a few e-gift cards as well, thanks to the House of Golf to give away and some Bataki hams. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. Craig in Lonsdale, welcome to you, Craig. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. My idea especially for the fixture, is everybody plays each other once. And then all the finals are best out of three, including the grand final. And that way the MCG gets a grand final, the second game, every year. And that may very well be the last game. But if an interstate side has earned the right, the first grand final was at their home ground, the second grand final's at the MCG, and that very well may be the end of it again. But if a third is required, it goes back to the state, whichever one it was, that earned the right. So you could have a best of three all finals as well, couldn't you, Craig? You could actually, if you had everyone playing each other once, so you got an even uh, home and away rounds for all the teams, and then you come up with your eight or whatever it is, or your ten, and then you have knockout best of threes, Craig, all the way to a best of three grand final. Kevin Sheedy threw up the best of three grand final years and years ago. I'm, I'm not sure it'll ever happen either, but it is a way of doing it and making it even as well, Craig. If, But if how even do you make it? So if the Giants finish top, do they have the right to have games one and three at the showgrounds and the grand final at the showgrounds? Or how do you do it there for the grand final? At least in the final series, they could have games one and three at the showgrounds. Yeah, and the second game's at the MCG. Yeah. And that gives the MCG their, their thing. That they've yeah. got to have a grand final there till 2050, whenever it is. And I've got an idea for the draft too, Dwayne. Just on that, what if, it's, what if it's the Giants versus Sydney in the grand final? What do you do there? Do you make game two at the SCG and game three back at Giants Stadium? Or does Sydney not get no, the no, right no. to have a home game? No, whoever gets the right to the home game gets the right. But the second game, no matter who it is, is always at the MCG. And that could be the end of it. So the yeah. MCG gets the finishing fixture. But if there is a third run requ- third game required, it's one all, it goes back to whatever state earned the right, wherever that is. Do you think the fans will ever come round to a best of three grand final series given it's so non-traditional, Craig? Well, I think they would in the... And the whole idea is to even up the competition, the competition and make it fair. Make it, mm. make it fair to the world so the world can look at our competition and think, yeah, they've got it right. It's not some sort of farcical, you know, always, always with controversy. Yeah, the hard part with, if you reduce it to everyone playing each other once, you do need to make up a heap of games to, for the broadcaster, obviously. And you could actually have best of three finals in every knockout phase of the finals. And then uh, instead of having a, the structure that we've got with the final eight now, just have a, a simply knockout, 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 best of three all the way through. 
to the best of three grand final, which would at least make up the amount of games lost through only playing each other once in the home and away. You wanted to throw something else up, Craig? Yeah, oh, it was just about the, the draft and how it's not working and these kids get ripped up from wherever they've made their life and sent to the other side of Australia. I think if you took the first eight, as in what it was last season, from one to eight, the top side or the premiership side, they pick five untouchable players. The team that finished second picks six untouchable players. Third and fourth, skip two. The third team that finished third picks nine untouchables. Team that finished fourth picks ten untouchables, then skip two. Fifth pick 13 untouchables. Sixth pick 14 untouchables. Skip two. Seventh pick 17 untouchables. Eighth pick 18 untouchables. And then the team that finished bottom, this is to even it up because the AFL doesn't want teams have winning you know, three, four, five grand finals in a row. They want everyone to have a bite of the cherry, which hasn't been happening. So the bottom side then gets to pick from the top side after they've named their five untouchables, four players that go straight to the bottom side and four from the second side go to the second to bottom side. The third and fourth lose three, the fifth and sixth lose two, and the seventh and eighth lose one to the ninth and tenth sides. That gives you an instant, rather than a junior that may make it and may not make it and is four years away to change mm. that team, instantly the bottom side with four picks after their five untouchables is in the game next year. Yeah, Craig, I don't like that. That's too radical for mine. I don't like the thought that Collingwood could lose or Josh Dacos gets picked up because he's not in their top five and he gets taken by the Western Bulldogs and the Western Bulldogs because they don't name, oh, who would it be? Um, Aaron Norton in their top five untouchables. Uh, he can get, I don't like that idea. I like your first one, but not your second one. Frank in one turn, I welcome to you, Frank. Yeah, good uh, good day, Dwayne. Yeah, look, I just want to totally disagree with that guy regarding the finals. I just think it's uh, our game's too physical and runs too long to, to have more than one you know, one grand final or whatever, a three-game final series is crazy. We just, we, we, the game's too physical for that. And it, the players wouldn't recover. That's the other problem. I just can't, just totally disagree with it. What's yeah, I don't think it'll ever happen either, Frank, and I agree with you 100%. But we're exploring some ideas and, uh, you know, I don't want to cut someone off because they've got an idea that in theory can work, but in practice it can't. Frank, hold the line. We've got, a, we've got 18 holes of golf for you with a mate down at Club Mandalay. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just $99 at Club Mandalay. Another one here. Well, quite a few coming through. Three-game grand final series is beyond stupid in a contact sport. Uh, neither take a break. More of your calls after it. Theo, Paul, we'll get to you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 uh, Goodness, get this bloke off. Uh, quite a few of those coming through. Uh, I can't win. I'll, I'll let people have their say. Uh, I get uh, gong him red on the text machine coming through on the 40 Wings temper text. And uh, I cut someone off and uh, people say, got to let them make their point. Well, Midday Madness, it's a beautiful thing. Always great to have your company for Dwayne. Throw that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That's brought to us by Werribee Kia, awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? And you can drop down and see David, Janan, Aid, and Jim, the whole team down at Werribee Kia. Would love to see you. Uh, a bit of news floating around. Alex Carey's making some runs, which is great news for him. Theo and Clayton South 
wants to talk the fixture. Paul and Coburg wants to talk. Alex Carey, jump of the line or send through your text 0433981116. Theo, welcome to you. How are you, Dwayne? Good. The only way you like two conferences of nine teams, 27 round season, 26 games, and all the derbies and the showdowns are played. Uh, in two conferences, the top nine and the bottom nine from the previous year play each other. Conferences can work with an even fixture if it's three conferences of six, but then we'd get the same amount of games. Theo, if you're going to bump up the number of games, we might as well play each other twice and have 34 games. But the conference idea is so un-Australian that I can't see that happening either as a radical idea. But again, if the AFL is asking for the clubs to contribute to this competitive balance review, then it obviously believes what we've got right now needs to be fixed even though most of us think that it doesn't. Uh, Paul and Coburg. Hello, Paul. Good to talk to you again, mate. Um, I, I was just wondering your opinion on two people, Alex Carey. Um, I noticed you said he just made a few runs today. And also, uh, Will Pekoski, um, maybe down the track as an opener. And also, I was going to ask you, um, Glenn Maxwell, I think in the IPL bidding, he'll be pretty popular. Oh, he's going to be hugely popular. Ian Healy's going to join us maybe after 1 o'clock, Ian Healy. So we'll have a chat to him about uh, all things cricket. Uh, Glenn Maxwell's form, whether that shuffles him up the test order to try and get him into the test uh, reckoning at least, even though he's not going to be in the initial 11 or 12. Um, and Alice Carey is an interesting one. Um, it, Tim Payne was asked on SE and Tassie Breakfast this morning, uh, whether or not Alex Carey's spot in the test team is vulnerable right now. Here's Tim Payne on that. I don't think he should be. I don't think his ashes was that bad that his place should be under fire. He, I mean, up until the ashes, he'd been doing a terrific job. He didn't have a stinker of an ashes. He averaged 20, which is not great. Don't get me wrong, but he kept very well for most of the ashes. It just, it you know, it just worries me a little bit, Brent, because where there's smoke, there's fire. Yes. And the way he was quickly dealt with in that World Cup and the fact that there is a few murmurings around media is a worry to me. But I don't think he should be. And hopefully, I know he's not out in the Shield game overnight, hopefully he scores some runs. He's, he hits 100, he's, he, they cannot possibly not mm. play him. So mm. we, I hope he does well and he and he retains his spot because I think he deserves to. I, yeah, I think I so. I don't think you just go to England. England's a very hard place to play test cricket at the best of times for Australians. It was his first crack at it. He didn't have the best time, but I thought his glove work was actually exceptional yep. for the whole series. Uh, and his series before that, he he was really good. So I think he deserves to stay in the team, but... I am concerned when I start to hear and read things that I have been reading because they don't, they don't come from nowhere. That was Tim Payne, former Australian Test captain, earlier on today on SEN Tasmania. But since then, uh, Alex Carey is, well, he's in the high 60s right now and not out. And for the record, if you didn't hear, Cam Green, 96 against Queensland yesterday. Not playing the big bash, but he's back in some good form right now, Cam Green. So that keeps him as the next best in you would think back to your calls and your texts 1300 736 736 after a break uh, some news floating around so the matildas have been awarded the don award for 2023 
the most prestigious award in Australian sport, recognising the person or team who, through their achievements or example, has most inspired the nation for the year. We'll talk about that a little later on. And also, I want to have a chat to you about numbers. I mean, how important is the team number to you? I find it important. I think numbers, when it comes to the AFL, do have big weight. I like to see those great prestigious numbers handed down with the reverence that they deserve. But your thoughts on it? Is this a... Is it, is it something? Is it nothing? Is it a beat-up narrative? Because we saw on draft night Harley Reid being handed Nick Natanui and Ben Cousins, West Coast Eagles number nine, to add prestige and weight to it, and I liked it. Uh, Port Adelaide had a bit of a press appearance yesterday for Jace Burgoyne to be handed his father and Russell Ebert's old famous number seven. Uh, Richmond, they are at the moment um, not yet handed out Trent Cotchin's number nine, or Jack Rewalt's number eight, so they haven't handed them out yet. And there's a press comment later today at the Saints with the famous number two at St Kilda. Danny Frawley's famous number two, it's been retired the past two years, is going to be handed on to Marcus Windhager. I think Chelsea Frawley is going to hand that on. It's been retired for a couple of seasons to honour the late Danny since Jake Carlisle wore it. So your thoughts on all of that? Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Always great to have your company for Midday Matt. As you call, you get on. That number is 1300 736 736. Heaps of stuff to get to, including well, the, re- the reverence of numbers. I like the fact some numbers carry more weight than others, a time honoured for the weight they bring to a club and how much fans absolutely love the handing over of those numbers. The West Coast did it really well on draft night, handing Harley Reid their number nine, worn by Ben Cousins and Nick Natanui. Nick Natanui handing it over. Now, the Cats have handed Sean Manor their famous number seven. Isaac Smith wore it recently, but Paul Couch, of course, won a Brownlow medal in it. Uh, And later on today, Marcus Windhager will be handed Danny Frawley's number two. And it's going to be handed to him, I think, by Chelsea Frawley. It's been retired the past two seasons. Your thought on this here, with me on this, the reverence of numbers, or are they all equal? But I like the prestige of some of them. And uh, what's your club's biggest, if you like? Because um, the well, Port Adelaide, you could argue that the famous number seven is their biggest, and it's been handed to Jace Burgoyne. His father wore it, but of course Russell Ebert wore it as well. Some numbers are still retired. Uh, Collingwood's number 42. Darren Mullane's old number 42 is still retired. And do you think Richmond should actually put number nine and number eight on hold for a couple of years to honour the greats Trent Cotchin and Jack Rewalt? Your, thir- your thought on all of that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six or oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Tommy in Turidan, welcome to you, Tommy. You've got a thought on the numbers. Welcome to you, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, Wayno, mate. Um, yeah, I'm Saint supporter. Absolutely love the fact that uh, Marcus Windhager's been handed the number two jumper. Couldn't be a more fitting fella. Just gives his absolute all um, at training if you go and watch him play and also on game day, whatever role. One of these young players has just been put in a lot of different type of roles, so he seems to do, to do really well wherever he is. So, mate, uh, absolutely stoked that Windy's got the number two. And a local product as well, Tommy, so it adds a little bit to it. It's nice to give it to the, the local kid who's come through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the NGA... Um, 
set up there with him, but um, more, more his personality. He's very engaging with all the fans, everything like that. But what I see of him on the field, like, and that training, he just gives his absolute best. And you can tell players that do and don't do that, um, no matter what level of footy it is, but uh, he does give his absolute best. And, I mean, if you've seen the photos out on social media, he's looking even absolutely ripped more than what he did last year. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident that he's going to be in for a really good uh, next three, four, five years, hopefully career at the Saints. What's your biggest number of all time at the Saints, Tommy? The number 10's been pretty special. Did Neil Roberts wear that? I think uh, Stevie Baker, Spider Everett. Um, it's been worn by some big personalities over time. Yeah, and obviously Mito Owens has got it now. Um, yep. And that's you know, in, in pretty good hands there. But well, look, even though I hated Plugger for leaving uh, leaving to Sydney, but probably the number four, obviously, our, you know, Daryl mm. Bullock being our only premiership captain. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Clint Jones and Jay Gresham wore it for a while there, but young Lance Collard's got it um, been okay. handed, which which is interesting. Um, but I'm I'm rat for that for that kid. Um, yeah, from all reports, and I know someone um, that's involved in AFL recruiting circles, and they rating him very very highly. So um, I'm excited to see what that young fella can produce as well. Great to have you called, Tommy. Stephen Edithvale, you got a thought on this? Welcome to you, Steve. Yeah, I do. Um... Uh, I'm a Collingwood supporter, Dwayne, and I think the 42 number could possibly be the captain's number, unless, like Darcy Moore, you've got a father-son. I just think when we retire numbers, um, how many of the young brigade remember Darren Mullane? Yeah, I get that story. I suppose the it's a bit different with Trent Cotchin's eight, or Scott Pendlebury's number 10 is going to be an interesting one in time. Steve, because that's going to have some weight on it when that gets handed over. Absolutely. I think if they've got a father-son coming through or possibly coming through, yeah, let's put it uh, put it in cotton wool for a period of time. But I think um, I think there should be a sort of year limit on how long we put them to sleep because um, Darren was a, a superb football. I played with him at Parkmore and, um, yeah, just he was a man mountain. And uh, I think uh, it gets... When they get put to sleep for so long, uh, the younger brigade don't understand the significance of it. Appreciate your call, Steve. Sam, you got a thought? We're going to hear Sam. Yeah, before I mention the numbers, uh, Dwayne, I'd like to wish the Brisbane Lions AFLW team all the best. It'll be the it'll be the the Roy girls versus the the Roo girls on on yep. Sunday, and uh, nice. I'd like to see. I'd like to see Marcus Ashcroft's number 10 go to his son, Will. Yeah, well, there's there's the new one coming through, Sam, so maybe the, the next father-son comes through and gets it handed to him. Oh, right, so they might be reserving it. Okay, then. Well, maybe. He's got a younger brother coming through. I think he's draftable next year. Right. So uh, it's got to be big. The father-sons, even though Greg Swan said, oh, we didn't get any father-sons this year, well, you just got the best kid in the comp, Will Ashcroft, and you're about to maybe get one of the best kids in the comp from next year's draft under the father-son. Great to have your call, Sammy. By the way, Alex Carey out for 81. So 81 for Alex Carey for, uh, that, in that Shield game. Dan, back to you. So good. He's a good player. Um, yeah, so evening out the um, Eagles and Dockers travel a little bit. What about if they stayed and played, say, Geelong and Collingwood uh, back-to-back? So they can go and play two weeks in a row in Melbourne. It, that would give the Dockers two home games in a row. They could do that a couple of times a year. That would cut out, say, four flights, and it would relieve some of the travel that those two teams have to do. 
Yeah, it depends on whether you'd rather sleep in your own bed in between time, Dan, or whether staying away is going to be better. And that's the hard part. They've been around for a long time, the West Coast. So you would have thought they would have thought that through a few times. But, uh, yeah, maybe just flying home and getting in your own bed. It is only a four-hour flight. Maybe the AFL needs to start getting the charter flight idea up and running. Maybe they do need to get planes of their own. Now we're becoming a fully professional comp and you can get home straight after the game, perhaps. Uh, and uh, But, Dan, I like it. I do like it. I'm surprised they haven't done that more often. Jack in Mount Eliza, there, Jack? Yep. You're on the air, Jack. Yeah, you? Yeah. Okay, so uh, my view, just with the with the draw, it's actually quite an easy fix. If you played every team for four points, it would correct the disequilibrium in the maps. So if you played a team twice, each game's worth two points. If you play a team once, that game's worth four points. That actually fixes up all the... Uh, inefficiencies in the draw. Mm. Yeah, Jack, I don't like that idea, Jack, but it has been thrown up on the text and just because I wouldn't go with it doesn't mean the AFL isn't considering it now that it's asking for submissions. So your submission might actually be on their plate and they might love it. Jack, I appreciate you jumping online to give it to me just because I don't agree with you. doesn't mean I'm not going to give you a prize. Hold the line, you've got a Bataki ham. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. So the full score... In that Shield game with Alex Carey out for 81. Uh, the Victorians 278 and 231 in their two innings. South Australia all out for 252. And now they're, I think, six for in the chase. Uh, Fabio and Caulfield South, we'll get to you straight after the break. Ryan in Cheltenham, before that, you there, Ryan? Oh, Dwayne, can you hear me? Yeah, you're on the air. Welcome to you. Uh, g'day, Dwayne. Just firstly, I uh, want to thank you for your show this year. I believe it might be last for the season, so to speak. It is. You had me scared there for a second when you put that pause in. Oh, I believe it might be your last little pause before you threw in before next year. But So thanks for the scare. Um, oh, no, absolutely not. I'm I'm definitely expecting you to please be back next season, Dwayne. We're all going to be back next season. And it's early jam and I'm back, by the way. I had a good chat with Hutchie yesterday, which was nice to catch up with. The boss, so back early, Jan. you got a fixture fix for us. Always great to have your company for Dwayne. Well, another big hour of Midday Matters. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Matters promise. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. My last hour of Midday Matters for the year. But back in early, Jan. Uh, quite a few nice texts coming through. I appreciate it. One text coming through here saying, SA and our seven for pipe. Seven for 165 with that 258 target. So the Vicks on top there. In that Shield game, if you haven't heard the news, Alex Carey out for 81. But uh, good to see Alex Carey back amongst the runs. And in other news, Herald Sun reporting that Dan McStay has been sent for scans on a knee injury suffered at training. Unknown of the severity of the injury at the stage, but McStay, of course, missed that grand final this year after suffering a high-grade medial strain in the prelim final against the Giants. So we'll keep an eye on that news as well. But back to your calls. And your text, well, a couple of texts that have come through. Uh, what happened to the play each team in your group of six twice, as that was the fairest way? Yeah, that is still the fairest way of getting fair. Three six-team conferences, everyone in your conference twice, everyone in the other conferences once. That is the fairer way, but I just can't see the AFL going with three six-team conferences for equality. But if they want true equality, that's one way of doing it. Uh, love the numbers and the reverence they bring. Essendon 5 and 32. 
Julie, nice one, Julie, uh, when it comes to what's the number that carries the most weight with you at your club. Uh, Dwayne, I feel numbers eight and nine at the Tigers should be up to the retired players to pass on to a play if they see fit to wear it. Maybe if it's a, a retired life member like Cochin or Rewalt, uh, Jimmy in Yarra Glen, I won't read out the full uh, extent of your text because you did get a little nasty, but uh, I get where you're coming from. Don't mind reading it out. Keep your text coming through 0433 uh, Back to your calls, though, and Ryan in Cheltenham, you were first off the queue. Welcome to you, Ryan. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. I just wanted to say, I think the AFL, they need to maybe give the fans a little bit more of what they want on this occasion and give us more rivalry games. More Perth, oh, sorry, more Frio versus West Coast, more Adelaide, um, Crows versus Port Adelaide, the two Sydney games, the Q clashes, and then have a round where they play for draft order. Yeah, draft order is an interesting one at the end of the season, Ryan. There's been a bit of talk about that. I don't think that will ever happen. I'm not sure if watering it down is the way to go as well. There's been a bit of an argument that the AFL should never schedule Fremantle and West Coast to play pre-season ever again after the the Port Adelaide-Adelaide games have been fizzes, really, pre-season. They haven't really had much in them. And it does water down the showdown a bit. Speaking of less is more... Um, well, I had Todd Greenberg on the program yesterday, Australian Cricket, Australia, um, Australian Cricket, um, Cricketers Association CEO, on the program yesterday talking about quality over quantity when it comes to the BBL. Less games coming up in the BBL this season, but better quality, he hopes. And I think that's probably the case when it comes to showdowns and derbies as well. You don't want more in a season, I don't think, but here's Todd Greenberg on quality and quantity. No, I don't think it necessarily matches that more games more pay. In fact, I think I've got a personal view on this that sometimes I think sports get concerned about adding more content, but it's actually about the quality rather than the, the quantity. So I think scarcity can be your friend sometimes and uh, scarcity can create a much better value set. So um, I'm all about making sure those games have real meaning and purpose. So I'm not not a subscriber to the consistency of just adding more content in for no, for no apparent reason. So uh, I think scarcity can be your friend, as I said, and creating scarcity through scheduling can be very advantageous, but it takes some bravery as well. Which is part of what we're talking about. By the way, in that other Shield match, Queensland WA, Renshaw dismissed for just six in his second innings. Queensland two for 74, uh, leading by 18 runs at lunch. Um, who are we up to? Ryan and Chilton, that was you. Uh, Fabio in Caulfield North. Welcome to you, Fabio. Thanks for holding. Hey, Dwayne. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yes, regarding the fixturing, I've been thinking about this for quite some time, and I think we all agree that if we could have a competition where we play each other twice, it is the fairest. And, and this works for an 18-team competition and even better for a 20-team competition, where I'm suggesting two conferences, and let's name the conferences after legends of the game. So there's a variety. I'm just picking out two legends. Barassi Conference and the Polypharma Conference. And the way that you divide up the current 18 teams into these conferences is as following. You look at the current ladder and you, the teams won all the odd numbers. So teams that finished 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15, 17, they go in the Barassi Conference. Team that finished second, and all the even numbers, second, uh, fourth, yep. sixth, yep. eighth, tenth, etc. they go in the Pharma Conference. So that's nine teams currently in each conference. 
Um, if we bring in Tasmania, you have to get a, another team to go in the other conference. That's the only down, downfall of this. But currently, nine teams in each conference. Each team plays, plays each other twice. 18-round regular season. The top five in each division qualify. So that's 10 teams in total, two more than what we currently have. The top three in each division get a double chance. So that's six teams in total. At the moment, only four teams that get a double chance. Finals to be played as per the 1980s format where you have your top two teams in each conference. They get a week off. Uh, teams two and three play for a qualifying finals. Teams four and five play for elimination finals. The winner of each division or each conference plays off in the grand final. And you'll find that with that method, it's the same number of weeks. I think maybe at one or two weeks less, one week less than what we're currently up today. But it's a, I think it's a fair and equitable uh, format. And the way that you figure out who goes in each conference is that you have a running full ladder. And every year you're going to have different people in the different conferences depending on where they ended up. Yeah, Fabio, I agree with you. That is, conferences is a way to make it even. You're right. And if the AFL is seriously investigating this, and Sammy Edmund told us earlier on they're investigating a way of making it more even, you have to start with a fixture. I'm with you on that. Now, whether they'll go the full step and go to conferences, I doubt it, Fabio. But it would make it even. I agree with you 100% on that. Andrew and Bandura, welcome to you, Andrew. G'day, Dwayne. Uh, Merry Christmas, and yours is my favourite SCN program. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that, but don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've got a famous number one for Carlton for you. So that from over, over our history. Start with Corey Clover from the 1920s in AFL Hall of Fame. Ken Hands, 40s and 50s in the AFL Hall of Fame. You've got Sergio and Stephen Silvani. I'm sure you know who they are. Yep. Andrew Walker and now Jack, and now Jack Silvani. Nice. I mean, Ken Hands gets mentioned quite a few times Andrew is one of the all-time greats. I didn't get to see him play, though. It's nice to hear his name mentioned, though, because when I did have the pleasure of working the five years as a trainee journo at the ABC and calling footy there, uh, working with guys like Tom Hafey and David Swan Mackay, um, etc., Len Thompson, all those really old greats, um, his name would get mentioned a bit, Ken Hands, and it was it's nice to hear his name mentioned again, Andrew. So I love it. The number one at Carlton. Good contribution from you. Good on you for jumping on, and thanks for the nice sentiment. And, uh, yeah, okay, I've got a gift card for you. got a couple of these to give away as well. E-gift cards, thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf coming your way. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Uh, Brian on the Gold Coast, you there, Brian? Yeah, man. Welcome to you. You Hello, got a fixture? Yeah, good to have you. Yeah, um, yeah, basically, the idea I've got, it can work um, whether it's 18 teams or 19 teams. Basically... Everyone plays each other once. So if you've got 19 teams, that's 18 rounds of football. And then over two years, you play home and away. So if, if this year, uh, Collingwood play West Coast in Melbourne, next year they play over there. So that, that levels that out. And then at the end of the uh, home and away season, you go into uh, a group stage, three groups basically. The top two groups, they'd be playing off the... Uh, to go into a, a final six, so you know the three the three top sides in each group would would go through to the final six. So in those groups, you'd have all the odds one to eleven, and all yeah. the evens one uh, two to twelve, and then your bottom sides. So they've still got something to play for because at the moment, the last five or six games that they play, 
you know, they're they're meaningless. You know, they they can't make the final sort of thing. The season's yeah. over. But in that last group, you could uh, you could have it say they're playing off for I don't know extra picks at the end of the first round of the draft or whatever. Yeah, Brian has has been thrown up a bit that suggestion. It's been thrown up so often. I don't think it'll ever happen. But you're right about making it even by playing once each. Hey, got a heap of calls on the line. I want to get to you all, Connor, Michael, Dan, Gary. Jimmy, Laura, we'll get to you all. Connor in Fitzroy, you there, Connor? Thanks for holding. Yeah, hey, Dwayne. Um, I think if every team plays each other once, that'd be great. Um, add, a, add a Tasmania team in and NT, uh, that extends the season slightly. I think that'll be the perfect amount of games. Um, and um, look, I don't think too much needs to change. We've just come off uh, what was a really good set. I agree with you, Connor. I think we've lost you there, but I agree. There's nothing that broke that it needs fixing, but the AFL are investigating how to make it more even, and that's why we're talking about it. Either you start with a fixture or you're starting with something uneven. So if the fixture's not even, then your base product is starting uneven and you're just trying to make it up from there. Michael and Preston, you there, Michael? You got a thought on the less is more? Yeah, look, um, for less is more, I wonder whether the AFLW have gone down this track. They're trying to do too much, you know, too quick. I was a bit disappointed that they introduced all these extra sides. I just don't know if the quality's quite there yet. Um, you know, we, we want it, but are they trying to do it too quick? And it might have been better not to go so quick with it. I think they're trying to rush equality, Michael. That's what they're trying to rush in. Get, it, get equality into the competitions as quickly as possible. But as you're saying, it has watered down the quality a little bit. But I think the AFL needed to do the 18-team thing quickly. I think that was a necessity. And the fact that it has watered down the talent base, I think it'll get made up pretty quickly in the next couple of years. But I think it's an evil that we kind of had to have because I, I do believe that everyone who barracks for an AFL team needed a men's and a women's team to barrack for. And everyone, I think, uh, had a chance to at least play for uh, you know, 18 teams and go into a competition that's got 18 teams to give you a chance of of at least being a professional footballer quicker if you're a female, given how competitive it is out there for females playing sport. The WBBL is an awesome competition. The A-League Women's is awesome as well. Great to have you call, Michael. Dan, welcome to you, Dan. I think you're there, Dan. you there? Yeah, sorry, Dwayne. I am, mate. Um... I just wonder what the knock-on, the knock-on playing each team playing each other twice is. If it's all about player management, then um, you know why are we so precious about our players? I mean, to have a true comp, they've either got to play each other once or preferably twice. More games of footy. What's wrong with that? So you'd have to have an extended final series as well, Dan, because we can't get into well, over 34 game per team season. Um, you wouldn't be able to get deep into the season, you know, 28 games in and there's eight teams or seven teams down the bottom that can't even make the finals. You wouldn't want that necessarily. Grounds need to be available if you're going to extend the season as well. So that would be hard for the AFL to get the grounds available given there's a cricket season. I'm not sure we've got the scope to make it 34 games, have we? Four-day turnarounds? I mean, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? You just back off the training. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I'm not sure the competitive nature of it would they would cope, but and that's the hard part. It has been talked about more games, but that means less game time. Do you have 16 minutes plus time on, and then it's not the true 100 minute game that we've grown up with. It's a shorter form, 
and it's not quite the same. But I'm agreeing with you, Dan. You either play everyone once or you play everyone twice. Otherwise, it's not even. And one here, how is it even if you play everyone twice, everyone once, Dwayne? Because then you don't know who's get, who gets the home game and who doesn't. And you're right about that as well. Um, Laura in Mill Park, welcome to you. Laura, great to have you back on. Hey, Dwayne. Just had to say um, Merry Christmas and um, what an awesome year it's been. I think across all SEN shows, it's just been bloody amazing. Um, I was talking to someone today, actually, and Sammy Admin. Do you think, I heard rumours again, that there are quite a few clubs interested if Ben King were to become available. But do you think he'd ever leave now that Dim is there and there's a core group of, you know, of guys around about the same age and same experience? It depends on whether they start winning, Laura. It depends on whether he gets on well and enjoys Damien Hardwick's style. It depends on how much he gets offered. Back here in Victoria, it depends on which team and whether he gets to play with his brother. There's a lot of those things. I don't really know him that well, Laura, so I can't sort of put myself into his head. But there's so many variables these days. And uh, home and money are huge. And you see a guy like, well, Chris Jubb was playing in a successful team, but he still wanted to come home. So home can be a bigger factor for some than others. Because mm, I don't think St Kilda want him, but I heard Essendon at one stage was interested, again, all through room and mm. milk. So I don't know if it's fully true or not. But yeah, um, considering he's bought a house up there, but you know, nowadays houses are quite good as investments. So I don't believe that him buying a house is a guarantee that he'd stay. I'm agreeing with you on that. Hey, great to have your call. Merry Christmas to you, Laura, as well. Grab back to your calls. Nick in Hoppers Crossing. Thanks for holding. Nick, welcome to you. Hi, um, Dwayne. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, first of all, great show all year round. Um, I'm glad to hear it. It's going on and on. You'll be, you'll be on the cricket um, coverage as well. And a Merry Christmas to you early, early on. And also thanks, a special Nick. mention to the, to the boys, um, Sammy, Sammy Edmund is a, is a utility for yes, SEN. He, he has any show. He covers any show that is needed. And also Jules. Julian, he does a great job as well. Now, my points, I'll go quick, very quickly with the football. Um, Merry Christmas, and I hope to have a great um, pre-season, Carlton and Michael Boss. And with the, with the, with the football, um, I'll, play, I'll, I'll play everyone once, and then we go into the finals. I think that's more even. And with the cricket... There could be uh, an option, with, uh, but I wouldn't change it, but the option is um, have um, Travis Head as the opener. But as it is, leave Manas where he is because of the Cameron factor. That's where they're worrying about what to, what to do. But I think I can't wait for the BBL season, the Big Bash and uh, test season happening now and then see how we go. And, and your commentary and all the boys. Good on you, Nick. Really great to have you call. Always love your contribution. And uh, I think in the new year we'll be doing a broadcast at Werribee So uh, drop down to... See the boys and say hello at Werribee like you did early this year. It'd be great to see you again. Nick from Hoppers Crossing. And speaking of the cricket, an opening for Australia, Ian Healy to join us straight out at 2 o'clock. So one of the all-time greats to talk more cricket with us shortly. Gary in Mount Waverley, are you there, Gary? Yes, I am, Dwayne. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah, all right, mate. First of all, I'm absolutely shattered. I was runner-up in the Caller of the Year award this morning. No, was there a runner-up, was there? I was I finished equal second with forty other forty one other <laughs> listeners. So I'm gunning I'm gunning for today's caller of the day prize. So oh, okay, we'll see how we go. To, you know that. So in relation to the draw, the, 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 whatever, it's quite simple. There needs to be two conferences which are based on the previous year's rankings. The conferences are set up with odd numbers and even numbers. 
Yeah, we had a caller earlier on, Gary, so no no need to explain it, but we had a caller about 10 minutes ago go through the same thing. So you're right, it would make it even. Whether the AFL will go to a conference idea, I'm not sure they're prepared to to bite that bullet, but it would make it even. And again, if they are actually going to investigate how to make the whole of the AFL more equitable, that is the way to do it. I just doubt they'll do it that way, Gary. But hold the line. We'll get a Dwayne's World T-shirt for you. There you go. That's a, it's a consolation prize. It's, it's not the car that they gave out this morning, but, well, it's something. As soon as they get printed out, we'll get one printed up. We'll get one to you. Thanks for your call. Jimmy in Richmond, you there, Jimmy? Yeah, afternoon, Pipes. Made a couple of things for you, right? I don't know why the players complain about playing each other twice when they do the bulk of their work in the preseason and come mid-year, you know, throughout the year. They're just doing recovery all week, light skill sessions and recovery, right? So they've really got nothing to complain about playing 36 games or 34 games, right? And second thing is, mate, some of these suggestions about going to a conference, two conferences, we may as well go back to the imperial system in Australia, mate. It's that complicated. Play each other twice. Players don't complain. Manage them throughout the year. Or you do it like this, Dwayne. Top six or top eight, right? Top six. There you go. Top... Hang on, I've confused myself. We go... Top eight. How are you going to Seven go compla- explaining it if you confuse yourself with it? No, hang on. I got it right. Uh, <laughs> you put me up. Seven and eight playoff against nine and ten. You have a wild card round or whatever. Yep. Been, right? So you, get, you give two other sides a chance to come in, right, from outside in that, in that bye week or whatever, right? So seven and eight. So seven might play ten. Eight will play nine or whatever. And it could, could change up, right? So a knockout. And then for the remaining teams that finish below 10, 10 to 18 or whatever, put their bloody numbers in a lotto or whatever and, and, and draw them out for the, a random draft. So if you finish 11th, you could end up with the first draft pick or whatever, Dwayne. You know, it's, it's not that complicated, I don't mate. mind the lottery system. I don't mind the weighted lottery system. Uh, I like that. And there's quite a few coming through on the text, supporting 34 games. Uh, one here, you're right on there, Pipe. Let's stretch the season out to 34 games, um, three buyers per team. Uh, plus a week off for all teams in the middle of the season. Massive broadcast rights, less of the preseason, like the EPL. Average wage would skyrocket to one million per player at least. Uh, would make the game of AFL untouchable for the rest of our days. JB. So there are a few that believe the 34-game season would work just like you. Um, look, I'd certainly like it if it happened. I just can't see it happening. Carl on the road. Before we take a break, you there, Carl? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm, uh, good day, Dwayne. Uh, how are you? How's it going, mate? Good. Uh, unlike the previous, I want to see 34 games, right? Uh, but what I would do is increase the um, the amount of players from, what is it, 42, 45 at the moment? Yep, yep. On the list, well, increase it to 52 and everyone must get a game throughout the year and you can't play more than maybe one or two games in a row. Yeah, I'm not sure on the restriction idea, Carl. A few have thrown that up in recent times. 34 games is a big stretch, but maybe we're going to get there eventually. It is the only way to make it truly even. Jeff in Mordialic, you there, Jeff? Yes, Dwayne, how are you going? Good to have you. Yeah, good, thank you. Um, I'll solve two problems with the one stone. So AFL men's in go to play each other once at 17. That creates an opportunity and windows to bring AFLW into the same season, okay? Because it'll be more grounds, more time slots available. Um, each club, so we're, say Carlton's playing Brisbane at you know, MCG, 
then in the AFL men's, and then on that same round, Carlton are playing Brisbane at the Gabba. So there's always a game at, you know, those interstate venues. Obviously, yep. it's more challenging where you've got the joint venues like the G and Eddie Hat. That's where you have to use your boutique stadiums. But, you know, going back to the, the similar situation of, you know, your ones and twos playing the same club on that same round. Yeah, Jeff, I think in the end, you'll probably 100% have what you've just suggested, and that is the women's season aligned with the winter season with the men. I think it will be side by side. I'm starting to hear that myself. Callers are coming up with it. Texters are coming up with it. So it sounds like it's probably going to start early Feb, finish with the AFLW Grand Final in the full men's week off by round. So you could do it there. Um, I think it's probably the better fit for it as well. Uh, And just be talking AFL all year, AFL men's, AFL women's, and not put the women's up against the WBBL, etc. So it does sound like that's the way we're headed, Jeff, in time, whether it's, you know, 2026, 2027. But I'm agreeing with you. I'm feeling that as well in the wind. Great to have you call. Billy, Jeff, Mark, we'll get to you straight after the break. one 300 Collingwood has confirmed. Dan McStay. Now, I just better check this news with my producer, Mitch, because I don't want to bring this to you if this is not true. This is huge news. So, yeah, have a deep breath here, Collingwood fans. Collingwood forward Dan McStay is likely to miss the 2024 AFL season after scans today confirmed a ruptured anterior cruciate ligament ACL in his left knee. McStay sustained the injury during today's training session. The 28-year-old had only returned to pre-season training this week following a medial collateral ligament strain in his right knee. Wow, this is big news. Executive General Manager of Football, Graham Wright, uh, empathised with McStay. Uh, This is unfortunate news for Dan, who is likely to miss... The 2024 season, Wright said. Dan sustained an anterior cruciate ligament injury during today's training session. He had returned to training this week. We are extremely disappointed for Dan and our entire club will rally around him during this difficult time and throughout his rehab journey. The club will provide a further update in due course. Uh, Dr Peter Larkins is on the line right now to talk about this massive news. Uh, Welcome to you, Doc. Not a great time to have you on, but... A good time to have you on. I uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Happy uh, happy December to you. Um, but not not for Dan McStay, obviously. I just got the news myself. Um, and sadly, Dwayne, look, uh, if we look at the incidence of ACL injuries across, you know, the, the 12-month period, there are usually peaks. And one of the peaks is in the early part of the season when the grounds supposedly are harder and drier. And so there may be a relationship between that aspect of it because there's a peak usually in the pre-season. So unfortunately, without wanting to be too much of an Ostradamus, McStay may not be the only pre-season ACL because there's often two or three or four. And then then there tends to be a bit of a lull and a peak later on. So whilst you know it's not always easy to generalise, Wayne, we do see them at this time of the year, unfortunately. So this is obviously a long-termer, Doc, this kind of injury, uh, what kind of surgery is needed? What kind of recovery time is, is needed after if surgery is required? Yeah, well, look, there hasn't been any great advances, Dwayne. I mean, at the end of the 2023 um, footy season, and all the AFL docs get together, all the sports medicine conferences are on. So believe me, in the last month, I've been to three conferences, all of which mm. have, we've talked about, you know, developments, the concussion, 
But the ACL topic comes up all the time. There hasn't been any great improvement in the return to play timelines, Dwayne. So, you know, in the absolute best of circumstances, with the demands of AFL, we're talking 10 to 12-month period. So if you're talking about immediate surgery in a, in a December period of time, if you add 10 months to that, you know, you, you're seriously looking in that August-September time. So it really does... Any pre-season one tends to ride off the forthcoming season for a player. So essentially, it's just too damn hard to get back and and be trying to work your way into the team in August. Well, Dwayne, the, the real issue is the biology. So regardless of whether he has a hamstring graft or a patella tendon graft or a quadriceps tendon graft, so they're all the styles of surgery where the, the player's own tissue is used to to mould and fashion a new ACL, that particular tissue has to mature and get strength back. So whilst the knee externally can look really good with range of motion and not be swollen and they work in the gym and they're running in three months, the internal strength of the ACL graft really doesn't reach a peak to after 12 months. But generally, most players, um, you know, when you hear about a rupture a second time around, it's a player that's coming back too soon. It's usually in that six to, to nine month period of time when they think they can get back. So... There isn't a way of short-circuiting that or we haven't defeated the biology of the human body yet to, to get a quicker return, Dwayne. Mm. So, Pies fans, you can jump on the line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or send through your text 0433981116 with that news that Dan McStay is likely to miss the entire season after that ACL injury. Uh, Doc, while I got you the concussion conference you went to, I noticed that different sports have a different length of time. You have to be out as... Mandatory cricket has a different length of time to the AFL. Uh, World soccer has a different length of time to the AFL. Yeah, look, it's a reflection, I guess, of what state we're at with concussion of not fully understanding the time frames. I mean, sports are trying to be protective of the player, Dwayne, but they're all sort of making their own guidelines in one sense. And what we do know is that you know players are taking longer than recover than they did five to ten years ago. So the time frame that you're missing from sport is clearly there. But, you know, this concept of it's 12 days in this sport and it's two weeks or boxing take longer, it's really just a little bit of the seat of the pants art that's coming into it at the present time. And one of the things we're absolutely sure about is certain players are taking longer than expected, that kids take longer. So that's been the recurrent theme of, of the recent concussion stuff. But you're right, sports are all got their committees and they're all adapting a, a guidelines policy, um, you know, for schools and for suburban sport because of the consciousness, I suppose, of about the, the long-term implications and the court cases that you and I have talked about. So people are trying to be seen to be doing the right thing of excluding, but there's no magic number that we've come up with yet, Dwayne. So they won't extend the magic number of the AFL in the, the next season, you think? I think there'll be advice given to players to take longer than expected. I mean, often I, I, I can tell you now what happened in 2023 is there were often players who were in the concussion protocol and you know, people said, oh, they're going to miss 12 days. And then you find they've actually missing two matches or three matches before they're back. And that's because clubs are taking the conservative approach, a combination of some players take a bit longer to get better, but also I think the consciousness about not wanting to be accused of putting a player back in the minimum possible time, even though the player might want that. So again, we're still learning the time frames, but I think the extension rather than the shortening of the time to take up your point is exactly what's going to happen. And, and as frustrating as it might be, in the long term, when we look back at this era of footy, whether it's AFL or whether it's just world sport, we, we want to be seen to be doing the right thing in terms of the conservative approach and player welfare and not, not trying to cheat the system and get back faster. So I think, if anything, the time frames are going to extend out because of, the, of what I just said in, in terms of not knowing exactly when the right time's going to be. And, and it's like the hamstring. Most people add a week because they don't want it to go again. You don't want to get a concussed again coming back off of a recent concussion.
So, um, I suppose the hard part is uh, Nathan Murphy with Collingwood, and you know I think he, the AFL is now having to assess. What do they do with players with repeat concussions when it comes to the assessment process? How does that work? Well, it's it's called informed decision making and shared decision making. And what I mean, Dwayne, is if you're the player you are very much involved in getting explanations. You're not just getting a medical explanation. You get down and you look at all the consequences. You look at the time frame. You made it clear to you that that there are consequences of getting a concussion close to a, a, a previous concussion and that the cumulative effect we're still learning about. So the player gets very much involved in that. And the AFL, whilst they're not directing the clubs, they're making it very clear to the club doctors that they need to take the absolute um, best knowledge and contemporary knowledge approach. To, to that and, and whether it's with the, the neuropsychological testing, whether it's the development of some new brain scans that are coming along that are a little bit different from the traditional MRI. So you're looking at functional brain scans and areas of the brain where there might be some slow processing that doesn't show up on traditional MRI. So there's a little bit of advance in the science. I still talk about the art being important and, and the fact that players you know, like Murphy will be very much informed, particularly if they've got a history of repeat concussions because we're still trying to work out and I don't want to keep, you know, going back to past too much time, but we're still looking at, you know, the Paddy McCartans of the world and the, the people like that that have had recurrent ones that come back and then we've seen what happened. It's just such a terrible look when they get a concussion and a very simple mechanism. And I guess that's the from the sports protection point of view, the image of the sport, they're trying to make sure that doesn't happen too frequently. Doc, great to have you on at short notice. I really appreciate your time. Well, it's great to chat to you. Have a Merry Christmas. You too, Dwayne. Hopefully catch up uh, maybe at the piano bar. Sounds good, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing anybody who drops into the piano bar in the coming months and uh, have a cold one with me, the doctor, the great Dr. Peter Larkins, who I think prefers a red. We'll take a break. Your calls, uh, horrible news for Dan McStay, bad news for Collingwood. Looks like he might be out for the entire year. Your thoughts, your calls. Got a few texts coming through. One here shattered for Dan McStay. Footy can be cruel at times. Uh, wishing him all the best. At least Collingwood still have Premiership full for Billy Frampton. For next year, go Pies. Another one here makes Collingwood's recruitment of Billy Frampton an even smarter move. We'll play all of 2024 now. Matt in Brisbane. Billy and Ascot Files have been waiting an eternity to talk the AFLW Grand Final. Welcome to you, Billy. Yeah, hi, Dwayne. Uh, good to hear your voice again. Um, just quickly, two things on the AFLW. The Grand Final, they're complaining that I know they're playing at the reduced 13,000 capacity at Icon Park. I just wanted your opinion. If it was at Marvel, what crowd do you think estimate they would have got? And secondly, Jazz Garner, how she didn't end up in the top five of the AFLW Brownlow is criminal and bewildering. So I just want your opinions on those two. Uh, well, I didn't see the full um, quota of AFLW games, so I, don't, I couldn't have a comment on Jazz Garner. Uh, criminal's a bit far, but... Uh, yeah, from what we understand, a lot of people think she's the best player in the comp and had the best season. I reckon 30,000, Jeff, would have got to Marvel. What do you reckon? A bit more than that on a Sunday afternoon? Sorry. Um, Jeff, now in Manor Lakes. Welcome to you, Jeff. Uh, we lost our caller there. That wasn't Jeff. Jeff's on the line now. Gone. Uh, Mark in Sydney. Are you there, Mark? G'day, Dwayne. How are you going? Good. Uh, that's good. I've got three things I wanted to say. First, condolences to Dan McStay. We're all AFL supporters. I'm a Sydney supporter, but no one wants to see AFL players doing knees and missing 12 months. And he just missed the grand final, so I'm sure his Christmas is going to be hard. Wishing him all the best. I'm sure he'll be fine with his recovery, and hopefully this fires you up 
to come back bigger and better. And you had something uh, else that, Mark? Yeah, second point. Um, just in relation to the um, season and people talking about a 34-game season, I'm interested to know if people are prepared to pay for that because memberships are going to rise. We've got a cost of living crisis. I'm not sure people would be prepared to pay for that. Maybe in a couple of years we can talk about it. If we want to get AFL even, I think we're an interstate, ter- we're a non-Victorian team is involved in the grand final. Grand final should be best of three home and away. Um, you can have the first and third game. It should be at the team that finishes the highest. And Appreciate sure your call, Mark. A lot of people. Yeah, and no, there's a few that called for that earlier on. Best of three, but will the bodies be able to cope with it in this day and age? Uh, Jeff and Manor Lakes is back on the line. You there, Jeff? Yeah, I am, Dwayne. Um, thanks for all your support this year and, you know... Taking calls from everyone, it's great that we're able to have our opinion. Um, I'm going to be probably a little bit, people won't like what I probably say here. I think we leave it as is. If you look at the um, season as a whole, this season that we've just had has been one of the best ever. And we've had more, we had more teams in, in contention all year. Um, and if you look at the last 20 premiers, you know, has the best team won every year? Generally, yeah. I'm with you, Jeff. I don't think anything does need to change, which surprises me why the AFL is asking for contributions for clubs to have a competitive balance review because I think it has been spectacularly good. I think it's even enough, and I don't think it's broken enough to want to be fixed. But if the AFL is asking for submissions, guess what? I reckon every club's going to tell the AFL what they think should change. There won't be too many clubs maybe saying, hey, let's leave it the same. But I'm agreeing with you. I think we'll leave it the same. Need to take a break. Ian Healy's joining us after two. Some cricket. Keep your texts coming through. Uh, so many texts sympathetic to Dan McStay's situation right now. Uh, horrible news. He looks like he'll be out for the entirety of 2024. Always great to have so many of your calls for Midday Madness. I love Midday Madness as well. It's been fantastic for me to be with you all year, giving you an avenue to have your say in the world of sport. Bit of Midday Madness rapid fire up to the 2 o'clock news. Ian Healy after 2. Rapid fire for Flight Centre's Big Red Sale. Yes, Flight Centre's Big Red Sale is on now with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. Book now to save big on Flight Centre's Big Red Sale. Rapid fire through some of these texts I haven't got to. Wow, imagine being a West Coast or North Melbourne supporter this year if it was a 34-game season. Uh, Arvo Pipe. Too many teams in Victoria. Time for some mergers to prune the tree. Modbury Mac, thanks for that, Modbury Mac. Uh, not sure that'll happen either. Um, Dwayne, Russell Ebert didn't play for Port Power. Incorrect reference. Thanks for that. I get where you're coming from, but he's still a Port Adelaide number seven. Is anyone really sold on Inglis, especially Red Bull cricket? Thanks for your text. Ian Healy to join us after two. Conference talk is garbage. It needs to stop. It's embarrassing. Well, Texts on not liking the conference system. And quite a few texts saying, Merry Christmas. One from Ram. Thanks for your text, Ram. One from Drew as well. Uh, Less is more. AFL should play everyone once, plus a wild card round, plus finals. Do the same with the AFLW. Three breaks over Christmas. Uh, Footy all year round with the AFL standalone in clean air over summer. That's the problem. I'm not sure it's getting clean air, even though the AFL men's is finished, the AFLW. And I think in time it probably will move 
to be aligned at the same time as the AFL men's season. Very high expectations for Toby Conway, Dwayne, wearing the Cats' number six jumper. Uh, thanks for your text. Yeah, John Barnes was a great number six. Dwayne, can't believe you didn't mention the elephant in the room. Carey's been badly mentally scarred by the Bearstow incident. Not been the same since. Well, I did ask that of the Australian Cricketers Association Joe boss yesterday exactly how scarred he has been and it was good to get an answer on that. Welcome back to Dwayne's Sport. Always great to have so many of your calls and your tests coming through. Always great to talk cricket with you. So keep your calls coming on that open line brought to us by Werribee Kia. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. That Werribee Kia open line. Werribee Kia awarded the prestigious National Kia Car Dealer of the Year Award. Werribee Kia, where else? Always great to talk cricket as well with the all-time greats that we have on the program from time to time, including Ian Healy, who is good enough to join me, SEN cricket commentator and co-host of Patton Heels on SEN Queensland, which you can get on the podcast. You can download it. You can get it on the podcast, and you can listen to it live on the SEN app any time, although I think Heels is about to go on a holiday soon as well. And he joins me thanks to Toolkit Depot, everything you need under one roof, tools, equipment, safety gear, and workwear in-store and online. Ian, welcome back. Great to have you on. Yeah, nice to be with you, Dwayne. We haven't spoken since the World Cup win. What have you made of it in the dust-settling uh, time between that um, unbelievable victory in India and now? Well, yeah, the dust is settling a little bit quick for my liking. I, I'd like a bit of a welcome home or a mm. celebration of, uh, you know, such a, a sensational achievement in India. Um, so I'm not sure whether Cricket Australia have got any of that organised, but I hope it does come about. But, uh, you know, generally the, the Big Bash is on us next Thursday it starts and then then the week after that it's a Pakistan test in Perth. So, so yeah, the, the dust has settled fast and our players hopefully are in great form. And have you seen that as one of our greatest ever achievements, winning that World Cup? Yes, I do. Um, I, um, you know, in most generations, most eras will have one probably, but I couldn't stop um, comparing it in my mind to 87 World Cup. We were even more outsiders to win the 87 World Cup. I, I wasn't in the team, but Australia were very much outsiders and they won in Calcutta. Uh, I, I couldn't stop comparing the two. So I think this one, they're up against a better opposition. In 87, Australia beat England. And uh, they were, the home crowd uh, was uh, in form, rampaging through the tournament, weren't they, the Indians, and, and we beat them. Uh, so that was a great achievement. And I reckon in our time, winning the Ashes back in 89 and beating the West Indies, the first team to do so for 15 years. They're the milestones in my in my cricket career so far and my cricket uh, memory. Um, so this the, the World Cup was as big as any of them. And obviously you've got a love for Pat Cummins. Um, his, his leadership, well, where does it compare for you now that he's got a few of these massive boxes ticked? Yeah, um, he certainly got the ability to get that team following. Uh, and I thought his work before the World Cup final was outstanding when he said, uh, listen, whatever happens tomorrow, it'll be fine. But I want you to not leave anything behind. Do, you know, no one having regrets that they could have tried harder in that little five-minute period or, you know, when you're feeling pressure with the bat, for example, don't 
don't succumb to that pressure. So I thought that work was just incredible, those words. And, and uh, they're certainly going to get the best out of every player. And they followed him to the nth degree in that World Cup. And it was incredible leadership. So where do I put him now? Uh, you know, I, you know that, yeah, he's got a lot of good achievements. I hope he gets to rectify the ashes problem we've had in the last 20 years. And, and we win in England under him. But I, I don't want the captaincy either to blunt him. I, I mm. want him to finish as a, a fiery fast bowler. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's that. Mo- another couple of years and, you know, hopefully he can finish as a bowler and bring on the next captain. So to this, well, the test series, we've got two of them. We've got Pakistan coming. We've got the West Indies coming. Pakistan, the one that's only days away and, it's a three-test series. Dave Warner's been the talk of the town. He just keeps keeping his spot. He's not going to give it up just yet, and there's not necessarily anyone uh, ripping it away from him right now. Where do you see the whole love to retire at the SCG narrative from Dave Warner? Oh, well, it, it was um, a gutsy call to put the selectors under pressure to, you're going to drop me now that, you know, I want to go to Sydney. Um, so that that was gutsy, and his form, his white ball form has been unreal. It'll be great to see those feet really get moving to the line of the red ball and get inside the short ball that he's going to get. Uh, and, and all that, that straight battedness comes back into his play for test cricket, and he finishes really strong. That'll be great. Um, so he, he's, uh, you know, he's earned it. He's had a great winter um, playing playing the other formats of the game. So... Our fingers are crossed that he finishes strong. And who is the likely replacement in your eyes? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm unsure. I, I quite liked Ricky Ponting's clarity overnight, saying, "And Bangers, uh, Bancroft is not as old as I thought. I thought Bangers was 33, but I read that he's 31. Um, and and we should be rewarding Shield performance." Uh, and and he's got the most runs. Uh, Renshaw is probably the right age, and Marcus Harris is the one that's been contracted. So mm. it's a really confusing issue. But I quite liked Ricky's clarity when he said, "No, no, Bancroft deserves a go." And of course, it's not going to be long before Usman Khawaja is going to be finishing up. So maybe we could take more of a punt or change the batting order a bit, like move people up uh, then. Uh, in a year's time, or whenever Usman decides he's had enough, but but yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't mind what Ricky said. Cam Green's in the lineup. To, he's in the queue as well. Ninety-six against Queensland. So, and he's not playing in the big bash. Um, where do you see Cam Green at right now? Um, just on the outer. Uh, I, I think I was there yesterday at the Gabbo and watched him bat, and he was a class above. Mm. Uh, even Hilton Cartwright, when they started together, they were under pressure, and Hilton went on and made 130, but uh, Green was uh, sort of resisting the pressure of that Queensland attack uh, quite comfortably. So that was good. Um, he's got a great record playing Queensland at the Gabba, actually. He's, twice, I reckon, he's made centuries from number eight. Mm. So uh, he loves it. He loves it here, but... Um, so I see him just sitting behind Mitchell Marsh. Uh, I'd like both of them to provide more variety with the ball. You know, I'd love them to sort of take on Ian Botham as a, a mentor for their all-round uh, abilities. 
Both of them had an incredible record by the age early in his career. You know, both of them's first five or six years as a test cricketer, he got the majority of his runs and wickets. You know, and he ended up on as many wickets as Malcolm Marshall, I think. So I, w- I want to see our all-rounders try more with the ball, outswingers, in-swingers, bumpers, slower balls, uh, bowl a bit of rubbish on purpose, some wide, short stuff, see what they want to do, and, and not be so robotic. They bowl quite straight and try to be fast. I think they've got to be, become much more versatile to go with our three quicks that we always carry. So, so you know, I, I think Cameron Green hopefully can deliver all that. He took another spectacular catch at the Gabba two days ago. Um, but uh, so he's he's got it all. I just want to see it come together. Do the younger generation look back though, Ian? I, even in other sports and footy, I'm involved in uh, the majority of my life. Uh, there's not a lot of the younger generation look back and watch a, a Tony Lockett's goal kicking technique, for example, to to learn from. Do modern day players look back at history and think, okay, what worked once upon a time, or do they not do that these days? Well, I'd hope so, because eh? it's never been easy to look back <laughs> than, than it is now. Um, oh, gee, I, I hope so, but it, it doesn't appear that way. I, I, you, you rarely hear of the modern player basing their game on something um, so long ago. Uh, but, see, it would be valuable for our all-rounders. I would even go so far as to say Keith Miller and have a look at how Miller did it and what his statistics were and and why was he a superstar? And and see how much of that you can put into your the aspects, the many aspects of your game that you need as an all rounder. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of evidence that cricketers are doing it any better than the footballers you found, uh, Dwayne. But but it, it should definitely be the case. And there are cricketers like Glenn Maxwell reinventing things. And there's talk about whether we should or shouldn't compartmentalise white ball cricket in comparison to Red Bull cricket, the way that he's playing at the moment, do you see that moving him up the test order? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, I had him I had him pegged in at six uh, two mm. days ago, you know. I thought, how, how much X factor would that provide and how mm. much excitement would that provide our test team and the kids around the country and, and all sorts of the cricket world would be a buzz. But... I then thought, oh, hang on, around Australia, he might, all he'll get is short balls, right? So yep. fast short balls straight at his throat. And, you know, I don't think he can play the way he plays in his short form cricket uh, as consistently well um, in red ball if that is the type of attack he's got to face all the time. Um, but, gee, I'd love, him, I'd love him to come back, play a bit of red ball cricket uh, this summer and get those... You know, show us his footwork in Australia again, and oh, I'd love him to be in the Test team. He, he has, oh, he, he's, you know, he's cemented himself as the big show, hasn't he? Like some of those shots are incredible when he's using his feet, and, and when he didn't use his feet, when the night where he made two hundred seven for ninety one, and he makes two hundred, that's that's out of this world. So he's been massive, and I'd love to see him in the Test team. You know. But he's probably got to prove himself a little bit. Talking to Ian Healy, and in well, a matter of days, just under two weeks, SEN broadcasting the first test between Australia and Pakistan. You can catch every ball of the test summer live across the SEN network. Uh, what are we going to get from Pakistan, do you think, Ian? 
Yeah, but a big unknown. A big unknown, but it, to me, who know the team, it's an exciting unknown. Uh, they don't mind playing uh, around the world nowadays. They, traditionally, they'd come out here and not tour that well. The batsman wouldn't cope with the bounce and the swing and the pace. Um, uh, but that, that top order, you know, Rizwan, Baba, uh, Fakhar, Zaman, uh, they, they're all okay. They're capable in, in much more scenarios now. So I think they'll be okay. Uh, and then the bowlers, uh, they, uh, what did they do? They unearthed the 16-year-old last time they were out here, mm. and, and he's still he's around and going well. So Harris Ralph was a, a big loss for them. He's withdrawn. Um, but they've got um, the big lefty, uh, that, that Shaheen Afridi. You know, that, they've got some pace to counteract what we're going to throw at them. So I, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised with what they deliver here in the summer. And uh, what are you expecting from the BBL season? Do you expect this? Is it going to be a bit of less is more? It's going to be not quite as long this season. So hopefully uh, the quality, you know, is high for all the games. What are you expecting from BBL? Uh, uh, well, I just hope it doesn't fly by too fast. Hmm. Um, it got recognised as being a, t- a season that is too long when we went from 10 games per team to 14 games each, right? Uh, I wish then they had gone to 12, not 14. So now I'm of the same belief that I think we should have come back to 12 from 14, not gone 14 to 10. Hmm. Um, so I, I hope, and there's no bias here, Dwayne. The Brisbane Heat are traditionally slow starters. We lose the first two or three, and now you can't afford to. It's not because of that, mate. It's, I just hope it doesn't fly by. I, I think the ability of the franchises to take games around the regions is much more limited now with five home games. You, you, the pressure is on to get crowds and get some revenue in. Otherwise, uh, you know, the season doesn't look that good. Last year, having seven, we took one to Cairns and, and uh, one to Mackay. So, you know, that we just can't afford to do that this year. So I would like, uh, you know, six home games rather than five. Um, but let's see. It'll be good. I think the quality of players there again. I think the attitude's good, and I think Glenn Maxwell coming in, he's so keen to play well. Mm. There's going to be enough. There's going to be enough things to really uh, enjoy in the Big Bash. Point well made, uh, Ian. Great to have you. I really appreciate what you've uh, done for me over the course of this year. Thanks for uh, everything you've done on SEM. We'll hear you on SEN for the Gabba Test, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Dwayne. Will do. Bye. Ian Healy, one of the all-time greats. Joining us thanks to Toolkit Depot. Everything you need under the one roof. Tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear in store and online. Your thoughts on all of that, Ian Healy? Well, would you like to see Glenn Maxwell at six in the test team? How do you reckon that would it work or not? Ian Healy was in love with it and then sort of fell out of love with it thinking it might not work. Where are you with it? one 736 or 0433981116. We'll take your calls and your text straight after the break. Our text machine brought to us by 40 Winks. The all-new Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R Pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. You can check it out at 40 Winks or you can check it out online. James and Karen Downs, Glenn Maxwell in the test team at number six. Would you like to see it? Would it work? I would love to see it. I think um, Alex Carey potentially opening, Cam Greed opening... Maxwell at the bottom, and a quick loft in the wash for you. Dwayne, oh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. You're going to be missed over the next couple of months. So we'll I'll be back there, James. Great break. 
No, I appreciate your call, James. I appreciate the sentiment. Back early next year, though, uh, and looking forward to another massive year of Midday Matters. I love talking sport with all of the callers and texts that come through, so uh, it's fun to give you an avenue to have your say. I uh, don't always agree with what you've got to say, but I do agree everyone needs an avenue to have something to say about the world of sport. So it's great to be part of that opportunity every day on this radio station. Tanner Krebs has been good enough to join me. Melbourne United star, watch the Hungry Jacks NBL Live on ESPN. And it's member appreciation game for Melbourne United where the club celebrates your passionate members. Uh, you can all celebrate your passionate members who turn up to every game. And uh, Tanner Krebs has been good enough to join me to talk about the passionate members who hopefully will get along to Melbourne Cairns Sunday, 2pm tip-off. Welcome to you, Tanner. Great to have you on. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you said it. Um, members appreciation game. Um, it was a big one on Sunday. But, you know, our fans have been fantastic all year. Um, showed up. I think we sold out pretty much every home game we've had. And just the atmosphere they've been able to create for us has definitely got us over the line in a few games. So, yeah, it's good for us to be able to, you know, show them some, uh, yeah, show them some love the way they show us love. So, no, it's, we're very excited as a club to be able to do this for them. And the club showed you some love too. Three-year deal, which is nice, Tanner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thrilled. Um to receive the offer, um, you know, coming to Melbourne um, was a it was a big decision, um, but I think it was the right one. Um, Melbourne's got a great history of winning and being successful, and you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to play under Dean, who's probably one of the, if not one of the best coaches in the league. So, yeah, um, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me. But yeah, no, we're super thrilled to be here. Will Matthew Delavadova and Ian Clark return Sunday? Um, Delhi for sure. Um, we've got one more training session tomorrow, um, so we'll see how Ian pulls up. Um, but he's been training today, trained a bit the other day too, so we're pretty hopeful. And how's well, the team's been winning, so I'm just trying to work out how you've been fitting in. You haven't been putting up as many shots as you would normally do. You would have done when you played for the Bullets, but you can be getting plenty of game time, pulling down a few rebounds. How are you fitting in? Um, yeah, really good. Um, we've got a great bunch of guys, first and foremost, just a lot of high-character players. Um, we've got a lot of talent on this team. Um, everyone talks about our depth, and I think one of the big concerns we had going in was, you know, with all the talent, who's, like, who's willing to sacrifice and put their egos aside for the better for the greater good of the team and you know that hasn't really been an issue so far which is fantastic so yeah no I'm happy to be playing my part in the team's success whether that's making shots or doing little things defensively um you know at the end of the day we're just trying to win and I yeah I want to be a part of that didn't put up any shots against Sydney at all but you've got some shooters in the team that can handle that is that the way you've seen it yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, that starts with uh, Chris Golding, who's been having a fantastic season. Um, yeah, he leads from the front in that regard. Uh, Ian Clark as well. Myself, Flynn Cameron's been making a lot of big shots. So I kind of, across the board, um, we got a lot of good shooters. Um, but yeah, it definitely starts with uh, CG. And great to have you on, Tanner. It's great to have so many... 
supporters out there turning up to the NBL. It must be fun. I know that oh, I read a couple of reports. You were pretty happy to come and play in Melbourne and be playing in front of big crowds and have a championship on offer to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, John Kane is a great atmosphere to play in, especially as a home um, as a home team. Uh, played a bit, obviously, as an away side, and you can kind of see uh, just the uh, the love and the I guess the enthusiasm that Melbourne United fans produce and put out towards the club. So, yeah, I was pretty excited to come and kind of play in front of that on a more regular basis. Um, but yeah, I'm just really excited to that the prospect of, you know, being a part of this team and we all have kind of the same goal in mind and that's winning a championship. So, you know, we, we're a ways away from doing that, but we're definitely off to a good start. But, you know, if we keep on the same track and we keep doing what we've been doing, then I'm liking the chances. Yeah, you're off to a great start. Hey, Tanner, let's hope you feel the place Sunday, 2pm tip-off, Melbourne Cairns supporter appreciation game. We'll talk soon. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Tanner Krebs, you can watch the Hungry Jacks NBA live on ESPN. Pretty big NFL game going on as we speak. If you don't want to know a score, you better look away now. But uh, Seattle and Dallas going head-to-head. Seattle with a six-win, five-loss record. And Dallas, well, they're a chance to win the lot, according to some. Eight and three, their record. And at the moment, it's Seattle leading Dallas 28 to 26. Touchdown there from Dallas, cutting the margin back to, well, one now that the extra point has been kicked. So Seattle leading 28 to 27 with three and a half minutes left. Who better to get on to talk about what's happening than Laurie Horish, ESPN NFL analyst. Catch all the NFL action on ESPN and on Foxtel and KO. Welcome to you, Laurie. Great to have you back on. Great to be joining you. Hard to know where this one's going to end because uh, the, the Seattle's been great. Look, Seattle's been fantastic. This is definitely a defense optional game so far. Neither team has put up much of a roadblock to the opposing quarterbacks. Geno Smith has played fantastically. He's done it through the air. Hooking up with DK Metcalf for touchdowns both long and short. He sounds like big games to like the the likes of uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo's rookie receiver coming on, and he's marched one in himself. And then the Cowboys, look, Dak Prescott and the offense have moved the ball quite well. They've had a couple of red zone uh, trips where they would have liked to finish it off and settled for field goals. They had Dak ran a, a touchdown into the uh, the corner there, and it was pulled back for a holding call, that a correct holding call, and one of many, because if there's one thing there's been other than points in this game, there have been flags galore. It is laundry day out there. Uh, <laughs> The social medias are running wild with every single different uh, meme or scene involving a flag from movies, sports, and pop culture history. My favourite that I'm about to throw out there is an infamous scene from an early episode of Friends uh, where uh, Fon Bobby says, hey, it's flag day, because that's what it feels like out there on the field. But it's uh, lots of flags, lots of points, not a lot of defence, but uh, a good test to, to go for this one because Seattle are trying to keep themselves in the you know, keep resurrect some positive momentum for themselves in the NFC playoff picture. And Dallas are trying to prove that, yes, they can beat a team that at least comes into the week with a winning record. Biggest game across the weekend is probably going to be San Francisco-Philly. How do you think that one will transpire? Uh, it's so good having these contests down the stretch. You look at the schedule ahead for teams like Philadelphia, for the Cowboys we've mentioned, talk about the Buffalo Bills, what they've got ahead of their run home. Uh, the Detroit Lions feature in some fantastic matchups, and it is tantalising stuff. But 49ers-Eagles, 
is this is the best shot for someone to get in front of outside of you know the infamous New York Jets and their victory over the Eagles? The best shot down the way for someone to get in front of the Eagles and and stop what they do. Can they stop the tush push? Because talented a defensive line and defensive front as the 49ers have, uh, I don't uh, I don't know that it's physically possible with the way that the Philadelphia Eagles execute that play. But just as just as tough to stop is what Brock Purdy and that offensive weaponry he has there between Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel getting back into the frame now. And that Philadelphia Eagles secondary, we've seen teams move it uh, against them. We see Dallas had a relatively productive day, but even more recently than that, we look at what the Buffalo Bills did coming close and losing in overtime there. Can that Eagles secondary create some sort of containment on a very talented talented 49ers offense? I'm going to lean towards the 49ers in this one. But I think the big takeaway is, Make sure at 8:25 on the uh, in the big two states on the east coast. No, no offence provided there for uh, for the Queenslanders or the rest of the states across the rest of Australia. But 8:25, you want to have that dial tuned in because that's going to be an absolute bell ringer. So, if they were to meet in the Super Bowl, who would you pick, and or would you rather pick Kansas City right now? Well, because they're two NFC teams, it would be the NFC Championship game that they could meet in if that's the way the seedings land. I'd lean towards the 49ers, and I think I'll just stick that way because, look, my preseason Super Bowl pick was Baltimore versus the 49ers in a replay of the Super Bowl we saw a few years ago, um, or more than a few now as I start to age and date myself. I'd lean towards the 49ers just because of... I, I have more faith in their defense. I think both these teams are stronger on defense up front than perhaps in the secondary, but I like a bit more of what we've seen from the 49ers secondary. Offensively, look, they're both so talented. And then, and look, head coaching-wise, you're going to find Kyle Shanahan and, uh, and, and Nick Sirianni are both two of the most heavily praised head coaches. So they do have so many common strengths. But I would lean towards, I think, when you look at those two, the 49ers were very salty with how that contest in the playoffs ended last year with uh, Brock Purdy getting injured and the 49ers essentially playing without a quarterback. Uh, they, there was a lot, a lot of very frustrated responses from the 49ers. I think they went over the line a little bit. Um, you know, the, the Eagles couldn't help the quarterback they were playing against there. Yes, that contest didn't deliver what we were hoping, uh, but there's definitely some uh, some leftover resentment for how that one went down, and perhaps they didn't feel like they got a fair crack at it. And I mean, look, that's fair to say when your quarterback goes down, it's hard to play uh, when you're running Christian McCaffrey back there as a pseudo-wildcat quarterback. So uh, in in finishing up, who outside of Kansas City, Philly, and San Francisco do you think could actually win it and surprise a Miami, Baltimore, who, who outside of the, the big three? Definitely Baltimore. Baltimore have been right up the top of the power rankings for me. I think the, the, the talent they have on defense, uh, as well as the, the dual threat nature that, um, that Lamar Jackson uh, presents there, both as a running and passing threat. I, I, I giggle there because as rough a game as Ron Bland has had for the Cowboys so far, he's just pulled off interception number eight on the season. Uh, for the young man, that's his 13th in just over one and a half seasons in the NFL as this game takes a turn. Baltimore, for sure. Miami, look, I really liked what they had coming on with defense. Uh, some of the talent in the secondary was coming back with Jalen Ramsey, uh, Javon Holland and co. Unfortunately, they had a big injury with Jalen Phillips, star young pass rusher for them, going down with a, a nasty Achilles pop last week that puts a dent. But certainly when that offense is firing, they can take down any team on any given day. Those teams are the ones that jump out. I think Detroit's taken a little bit of a step back. Um, and uh, we have some very familiar subject, familiar suspects. But just look, I don't think they can win the Super Bowl, but I saw a question out there on social today. Who are the Cinderella teams? Who could you look to? Believe it or not, if you're looking for a Cinderella team to come out of nowhere, do the Denver Broncos fit the bill with Sean mm-hmm. Payton and a somewhat... Look, he's not an explosive Russell Wilson anymore. He's not at his prime. 
but he's protecting the football. He's playing smarter football, uh, and they're not losing. The defense is playing far better. Forget the 70 points against Miami earlier this season. Far better football. They're playing complimentary. They like to hammer the ball with the, with the running game there. Could the Denver Broncos, no, I don't think they can win a Super Bowl, but could they cause a boil, boil over, be a bit of a Cinderella run on the AFC side of things? He's certainly having a purple patch of form. Hey, great to have you, Laurie. Always good to be able to pick your brain. Uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, and always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Laurie Horish, you can catch all the NFL action on ESPN, on Foxtel, and on KO. And as he said, turnover. So the Cowboys, with a quarter and a bit to play, get a chance to take the lead in this pretty important NFL clash happening as we speak. Pretty important shield game. Has happened as we've been speaking. The final wicket has fallen. SA all out for 234. So Victoria win a close one by 23 runs. Uh, Wes Agar, the final wicket to fall for 46. International flavour about the leaderboard in the men's part of the Australian Open. We'll check in with Martin Blake for an update. Thanks to Maccas. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Maccas. Now available with a rich chocolate soft serve as well. Martin Blake from Golf Australia. It's been good enough to join us. Welcome to you, Martin. Great to have you on. Good day, Good to be here. Good to have you back. Uh, Cam Smith, uh, how's he going? How far away from the projected cut is he right now? He's right on the number, Dwayne. He's at two under, which uh, is on the cut line. He's out on the course as we speak. Uh, he hasn't been at his best. I'm not sure why, whether it's you know a little bit of uh, fatigue at the end of the long year or whatever, but he's, he's hanging in there. I'll give him that much. And it is internationals up the top, and uh, and they're flying at the moment. Joachim Neiman's making a bit of a charge. Yeah, Neiman from Chile uh, is at eight under. Uh, he shot 69 today at the Lakes. Excellent player. Players on the Live Tour basically came out here, Dwayne, to get some world ranking points because, as we know, the Live uh, competition hasn't been acknowledged by the uh, world rankings people. So these two events, the Australian PGA last week and the Australian Open this week are both DP World Tour, i.e. European events. So you get some ranking points, and he might be able to take some strong ranking points home. Connor Syme from uh, Scotland is on top of the men, uh, 64 and 70. His two rounds, he lives up in the Gulf heartland around that sort of St Andrews uh, area in Scotland. He's never won a European Tour event, but he's the leader at the moment in the men. And Johnny Vegas... Uh, another South American player is is tied second at eight under. He's coming back after eight months out of the game. So a very international leaderboard. You've got Sam Jones from New Zealand at seven under, just two shots off the lead as well. In fact, the leading Australian in the men is Jeffrey Guan from Sydney, who's been an outstanding dual uh, Australian junior champion uh, who turned pro a couple of months ago, and he's uh, shot a 66 today to uh, get himself into a tie for fourth. So that's exciting. Cameron Davis, who started the day at nine under and in the lead, hit one into the water on the seventh just a few minutes ago, and he's dropped back to seven under. And we mentioned uh, the struggles of Cameron Smith. I mean, Minwoo Lee is out on the course at six under, just uh, three shots from the lead. You know, there'd be high hopes for him still. Lucas Herbert had a good day today. He's at six under, uh, had a double bogey at the last, which he wasn't happy about. But... uh, you know, they're, they're all still battling quite strongly. Beautiful day here in Sydney. And uh, in the women's house, Minji Lee going. Is at the top end there? Minji Lee is in the mix. Uh, she's currently two under overall through nine holes of her second round. She's dropped a shot today, so she's mm. tied 
Hey, it's Ashley Buhai from South Africa, who's actually the defending champion and a past winner of the AIG Women's Open, i.e. the British Open. Uh, she is on top at seven under from Jenny Shin from South Korea, six under. The leading Australian uh, in the women is Justice Bozio from Queensland, who's an amateur. She's 19 years old. She's at four under, so that's a great story uh, for us there. And Sarah Hammett, who's another teenage amateur from Queensland, is at three under, also in the top ten. Hey, great to have you, Martin. A lot to talk a little more, but uh, we're sort of running a little lean on time. I appreciate you joining us after the news about Dan McStay earlier today. But, uh, hey, if I was going to change my name, it'd be Johnny Vegas. What a great name that is to see on the leaderboard. We'll talk soon. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Dwayne. Martin Blake joining us for Maccas. Get the McRib and the new McRib Deluxe now at Maccas. So happy Christmas. I love you, baby. I can see a better time when all our dreams come true. A little bit of Ed Sheeran's version. It's a well, it's a great version he does. Ed Sheeran of Fairy Tale of New York. Given that Shane McGowan of the Pogues passed away. Uh, one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time, legendary song in the UK. If you haven't heard it or seen the Shane McGowan version of it uh, with Christy McCall, uh, we can't play it because there's a couple of expletives in it. But uh, you can check it out online. It's, uh, it's an amazing song. And uh, Merry Christmas to all of you and the sad passing of Shane McGowan. And we celebrate his life thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals. It was uh, one hell of a life that he had. Uh, you can read more about his life online as well. Time to celebrate some more lines thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral. It's a family-owned business since 1934. A shout-out to a couple as well. Um, well, Neil Mitchell's had a great life as a broadcaster. Congratulations to him. Worked at 3RW for 16 years. Didn't get to, to talk to him that much because uh, he was always uh, gone before Jared and I got there. But uh, one of the icons of broadcasting, and he finishes up this morning on 3RW after 33 years in the chair. It's a pity that uh, 3RW didn't quite have that, uh, well, like SEN does or Fox Footy does, the, the big get-togethers when they get all their guys and girls together. But, uh, yeah, congratulations to you, Neil. You've been an icon for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. And uh, it is great to have Tobin Brothers celebrating lives with us all year again next year. Oh, speaking of celebrating lives, a shout-out to a regular caller as well, Jenny from Box Hill, who dropped in a heap of dumplings for us um, and, and cooked them all herself. Uh, Jenny, thank you uh, from me and from Mitch and from A-Rod. Um, oh, we really appreciate it. And speaking of thank yous, yeah, thank you to Mitch and thanks to A-Rod. Uh, it, it's a three-person show. This show, Mitch uh, and I, uh, from day one, um, it, it's Mitch's third. A third of this show is Mitch and a third of this show is A-Rod. So uh, thanks for your year as well. Both of you guys, it's been great working with you and we're back again next year. That's it for the show today and for this year. We've been driven by Werribee Kia all year as well. So we thank the team from Werribee Kia, David, Janan, Aid, Jim and the whole team. They're rippers down there at Werribee Kia. They'll look after you just like family. You can visit the dealership at Werribee Kia. You can find that EV6 GT model as well down there. Take it for a test drive. I had the chance to test drive it for a couple of weeks. And again, there's a two-minute video of my assessment of it on Instagram, you can check it out as well. They've got fantastic finance options available at Werribee Kia. If so, if you're looking for a trade-in, they'll give you top dollar as well for your trade-in. They've got over 300 
late model used cars in stock. So check them all out. You can peruse it online on their website, werribekeer.com.au, or just drop down and see the team. They're at Old Geelong Road, Hoppers Crossing, and you can check out the EV6 GT model down there. But they've got a heap of stock ready to go. And tell them we sent you, and they'll look after you big time, whether it's this week or any time over Christmas and the New Year. Thanks to all of you who took the time to call that Werribekeer open line this year. Thanks to all of you who took the time just to listen to this program that made this program part of your day. Uh, I really appreciate it. We're, we're nothing without having uh, people listening and calling the show and sending through your text message. And while we're talking about the text machine, thank you to all of you who haven't had time to call, um, are too busy or got something else in a situation where you can't call, but sent through plenty of texts as well. Thank you. Uh, and on behalf of 40 Winks and Temper, uh, thank you for your texts. And you can check out the Temper range and 40 Winks range as well. Your new Temper, T-E-M-P-U-R, Temper Pro, Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Mattresses and pillows like no other, and I'm lucky enough to have a Temper mattress and pillow, and they are rippers, so check them out at your local 40 Winks and support the people that have supported this show. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you very much for being part of the program. We're back next year, early next year. I'm back for the Adelaide Test, and then we're back on air in early Jan. So can't wait for your calls and texts in early Jan. Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you again. And Andy and Gaze, you're looking forward to your company next.